Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I'm Christian Rebus, joined by Jacob Rood, and I want to talk some Lakers like we do every week, but I'd be remiss given who is in front of me to not congratulate you on Manchester City winning the Premier League against all odds. They weren't even supposed to be there, and they did it, (laughs) came back against Premier League powerhouses, Aston Villa to win the Premier League on decision day again in your lifetime. (laughs) How was was your morning? I'm not going to have much of a voice on this podcast uh, because of that game. Uh, It was a stressful morning. I gave up on not just Man City, but the entire sport of soccer at one point today. And um, yeah, that was... Nothing on top of the Aguero moment, but I assume that's the next closest thing today because that was absolute madness. And uh, I, I'm sure me and Alex Caruso were both uh, running around screaming in excitement today. There were three goals in the final 12 minutes um, of the game. There was three goals in a five-minute span. That's silly. Like... I, I don't know what the NBA equivalent of that would be. I guess just somebody catching fire from behind the arc in the fourth quarter of a game. Like, imagine Steph going off, but Steph is like a bulky German guy. I'm trying to think. It would be like it'd be like a game six or something where, like, the Warriors are ahead in the series and, like, everyone expects them to – maybe even a game seven. Everybody mm-hmm. expects them to win. But, like, they're struggling for whatever reason. And it's, like, very obviously, like, what the Warriors have been doing. with Like, they're turning the ball over a ton. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's, like, self-induced struggles. And then, like, fourth quarter, they're down, like, 12 points. And Steph comes down and hits, like, legitimately, like, six straight three-pointers to put them up. That would be what today was like because, yeah, everything – city was doing was self-inflicted and then they were like oh yeah we're the best team in the world and flipped a switch and it seems to be what this warriors team does trying to keep this somewhat basketball related but uh well i was gonna say i don't know i don't even know if this steph comparison works because gundo and rotri aren't <laughs> you uh-huh, know yeah. it'd be like Who? andrew wiggins and i don't even Draymond. know yeah and not even Draymond, whoever's a step below Kevon Looney. He's been balling in these <laughs> oh, playoffs. Oh my lord. We'll we'll get to all of that, but I, I wanted I wanted to get that out of the way uh and congratulate you you. Uh my thoughts are with uh our good friend and, and friend of the Locked On Hoosiers podcast, Jared Gazul. Um he'll get over it. He has a he has a, <laughs> <laughs> he has another trophy he's probably gonna win uh this weekend. Um moving on to the Lakers. It's been a while since we've had somebody podcast. That is just the nature of when we record our shows. And because the Lakers are the Lakers, it just seems there's new news dropping every day that you can find over 
at silverscreenandroll.com. Uh, but let's start with the news that came out on Sunday about Jawan Howard officially declining an opportunity to interview for the Lakers head coaching job. It's reported by Agent Wojnarowski of ESPN uh, that Howard, who you and I have, have both named early on in the process as somebody we wouldn't be surprised it got an interview. But we've also said that it's an interview he'd likely turn down because he has the opportunity to coach his two sons. Uh, and that is essentially what Adrian Wojnarowski reported on Sunday. So no huge surprises here, right? Yeah, it certainly sounds like um, even further than just like turning down an interview that if he would have showed interest in the job, mm-hmm. uh, the job probably was his. Uh, the, I believe the wording was the Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers never made a formal offer to Howard. But it's clear that if he had expressed an interest in the job, his candidacy would have moved quickly to that stage. So it was more than just, can we interview you? It was uh, probably going to be like, do you want this job? So I'm not surprised necessarily um, because of all the reasons we talked about before. I mean, he played basketball with Rob Polinka. He played basketball with LeBron James and then, was on the sideline with LeBron for however many years he was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are very close connections there. I think he's a good coach. It's hard to always like um, take what goes on in college and like translate it to the NBA, but he has a lot of the qualities that a lot of the guys like a Darvin Ham, um, seem to have as well and the difference is that he at least has some head coaching experience even if it is in college so I wasn't really surprised about anything Woj said I I thought he would have been a really strong candidate but I didn't see him leaving and um, I don't know that I really blame him because coaching your two kids in college would be pretty cool yeah and again this is this is something that you know, anybody who's been following the situation probably could have predicted, but it, it was interesting. Um, I, I guess the most interesting part of the report to me was what you brought up about the job was basically his if he wanted it. And I'm fairly confident that the fact that he's a coach that one is, you know, proven as an assistant at the NBA level, uh, but also seems to be coveted in coaching circles generally, combined with the fact that he has LeBron's backing. Um, just seemed like a lot of things were working in his favor with Jawan Howard. Now out of the picture, it seems that uh, LeBron's guy is Darvin ham assistant coach for the Milwaukee bucks and Eric Pinkus of bleacher report uh, reported as much on, I want to say it was Saturday. Um, I'm all, I, I like Eric's work uh, and I have no doubt that his, sourcing is is credible but i i love the way he cites his sources in every story uh he writes like it is i don't know if it's purposely ambiguous or um i mean that's just the nature of anonymous sourcing but uh the the quote he had was he's the guy lebron wants a competing source said it's a lot of language like that in the stories and i'm just like huh i wonder uh like how far down the list of NBA personnel, do you go until you get a competing source? 
I will say if you want some inside baseball, there's a reason that was in a Lakers rumor roundup piece and not a <laughs> article by itself, because I don't know what the hell a competing source <laughs> is like that could mean so many like thousands of things like is it are they even in a franchise is it like a an agent that's competing <laughs> with like lebron like i don't even know it it was it's such as you said ambiguous Kendrick Perkins. But, <laughs> oh, yeah good lord um but at the same time he was he had the support of darvin ham had the support of LeBron and Clutch back in 2019 when the Lakers interviewed uh, and were looking for a head coach. So I do trust that he's LeBron's pick right now. I th- I mean, P- Mark Jackson was LeBron's pick, it seemed like, so thank God. But um, <laughs> this one seems a little bit better, and I do, I do believe that uh, this is LeBron's pick. It seems like it's – I don't I don't want to I was going to say it's Darvin Ham's job to lose. I don't know that I would go that far, but I think he's pretty clearly the favorite or front runner right now based on that LeBron piece. Um, Sam Amick and Shams, I believe, for The Athletic had something saying that uh, he had made the strongest impression of all the candidates. So um, I think he's the front runner. It's going to be interesting because it seems like he's a front runner for Charlotte as well. So mm-hmm. uh, it seems like there could be some um, drama of sorts. And I don't know. I get, I mean, it's purely a, per, a personal preference. If he's offered both jobs, which one he would take. I mean, I think I would take the Lakers one because you could conceivably compete for a title because you have LeBron and AD, but um maybe in Charlotte you're able to mold things a little bit more. You probably don't have that freedom in LA right away. So it's going to be interesting to see what this next week is going to be like, because sounds like they're going to have the next stage of interviews with Jeannie bus getting involved and, and things like that in LA. So, um, but Darvin ham seems like the guy right now. And he's seen, it sounds like he's LeBron's guy right now as well. You mentioned Jeannie Buss uh, being involved in the next stage of interviews. Uh, were you surprised to see the report that she hadn't been involved uh, in the early stages, given you know all the talk about how much control she has over, or seemingly has over, the the basketball operations department? I wasn't surprised because she does defer, but it's I mean to people in her very inner mm-hmm. circle. Um, but I mean, she does trust those people and it seemed like the, the people that were doing the interviews were Palinka, Joey and Jesse bus. And I think Kurt Rambis and maybe Tim Harris. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, all those are kind of in her inner circle, um, or family or both. So, uh, I wasn't surprised. I mean, she typically doesn't, she's not like a heavy handed owner. Mm-hmm. She typically doesn't in her, insert herself in the basketball stuff. It's just, there's all the issues with her are a lot in a lot of other ways, but she typically isn't someone that um, makes basketball decisions in any real way. 
Yeah, that's where I'm at too. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it because I know there's just been a, I guess the conversation around her is how like influential she is about these decisions. And I think that is true maybe when it comes to paying up or uh, controlling the narrative around who chose this coach. Like I know it seemed like since day one, they just really want to debunk the narrative that clutch sports is running things behind the scenes, uh, which I think there's probably some truth to that, uh, but there should be like when you have a player as influential as LeBron James, you absolutely want his input on everything. And, you want as much recruiting power he has, his opinion on things. I think that's good. Uh, but, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that that she wasn't part of that interview process. And, um, you know, f- for all the Lakers front office's faults since they won the championship, before that I thought they ran a pretty thorough head coaching search. And, you know, we've mentioned this, but every guy they interviewed ended up up being like a a really great head coach so I'm not super worried I guess what I'm more worried about is situations uh that these the situation that these coaches are going to get into and where their experience lines up with it Kenny Atkinson is another guy I I think I would like to see with the Lakers if it turned out that Darvin Ham took the Hornets job or vice versa like I think Kenny Atkinson and Darvin Ham are going to be the two coaches that are taken off of the board unless Frank Vogel is like super interested in becoming the next head coach of the Hornets. Like, I don't know what's going on there, but those are the two guys I think will, will probably be head coaches in the NBA next season. And they're coming from winning organizations uh, as assistant coaches. But I, I do think, if you're going from the Warriors or the Bucks, you probably want to, if you're leaving that job, it's going to be for a team that can compete uh, for a championship or at least a playoff spot. And I think the one thing the Lakers have going for them, even if they're operating under the assumption that Russell Westbrook is coming back next season, they're probably closer to that than the Hornets will be next season. Uh, but maybe that's just me, you know, being too optimistic. The Hornets, I believe, or isn't Mike D'Antoni still the front runner there? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I saw I saw Kenny and, and Darvin were also in the mix. And g- given their like background, they're I can finalists. Yeah. yeah. And Mike D'Antoni makes sense in Charlotte. But everything else you said, I, I agree with that these are two the two guys. It's pretty clear far and away, Darvin Ham for me at one. Of the three finalists, I would say Atkinson is a pretty clear second, and Stotts is a pretty distant third as a head coach. I didn't love a much that he did in Portland. That being said, like probably my ideal scenario right now is to get Darvin Ham with one of Stotts or Atkinson as the lead assistant. Yeah. Um, and especially. I mean, either guy I'd be fine with. Stotts does do some really smart things offensively, and, like, that was always a strength. Um, Atkinson wouldn't be bad by any means either. So that would be my ideal scenario. Uh, I don't know the likelihood of – 
I, I think it's probably likelier for Stotts to be the assistant because he wasn't in the NBA last year mm-hmm. uh, than Atkinson to leave a team to join the Lakers. Um, because typically if you leave a team to join another one, it's either a, like a promotion, which I don't know how much that matters, or it's a pay raise. And I don't trust the Lakers to give anybody a big pay raise right now. So um, I don't know what the likelihood of Atkinson leaving is, but it would make a lot of sense if Stotts, because there's only two head coach openings left at this point. And yeah. uh, I don't even remember Stotts being linked to Charlotte. So um, if Stotts wants to get back involved, then offering him a lead assistant job, would make sense. So yeah, right now my ideal scenario would be something like Ham as the head coach, Stotts as the assistant, which would make sense in general, even if it's not Terry Stotts. I'd imagine Darvin Ham's going to get a pretty experienced staff. Yeah. Um, as a first year your head coach. And it'd be interesting to see if he is the head coach who he reaches out to. Does a Charles Lee, does he offer him? elite assistant type of role um if charles lee isn't just promoted to that in milwaukee and then maybe what former guys um he's able to bring into the lakers and whatnot but that's super far down the road um but yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if stotts ends up on the lakers staff but i would get the sense that he's I don't know because the reporting was that it was him and ham as the kind of favorites but man I was just not inspired by anytime I watched the Blazers with Stotts in charge it was good god look at Dame not good god look at this great offense that they're running it was like Dame can shoot from 40 feet that's pretty easy to build an offense around yeah I I saw a lot of Blazers fans refer to Terry Stott's offense as like, let the guards do their thing. Um, and right now with the Lakers roster, I don't know if that's what you want to do. <laughs> do not uh, let the guard <laughs> that we have do his thing. That's actually a perfect segue into the next thing I want to talk about. Uh, so we'll take a quick break and then we'll get into that. So you mentioned being, uh, I guess, reluctant would be a good word. Uh, about letting the guards that we have currently do their thing. And just to recap, the guards that the Lakers have under contract for next season are currently Russell Westbrook, Taylor Horton Tucker, Austin Reeves, uh, and Kendrick Nunn, two of which um, the Lakers have a... No, Kendrick Nunn has a player option and Russell Westbrook has a player option. Um, I think it's safe to say that Kendrick Nunn is probably going to exercise that player option and just given. Well, he the, told us at media or at exit interviews, he was <laughs> given the, uh, I guess, backup guard market. That's a, that's a home run for the Lakers at that number. Um, and then Austin Reeves, you want to keep around just because he seems like the perfect guy to have next to LeBron and AD Russell Westbrook is a guy we've, we've talked about since last offseason and we will continue to talk about until he is not on the team anymore. Uh, and I am, I guess, not 
you'd have a hard time selling me on Russell Westbrook being on the roster on opening night. Um, not only do I think both sides probably want to move on from each other, but I also just think that there is enough reasons for teams in the NBA to trade for his expiring contract. The only reason I'm a little pessimistic that they won't trade him is their like insistence on, on saving cap space for 2023. And I've looked, I really looked at the 2023 free agent class and outside of Jokic, who seems like he's going to re-sign with Denver as soon as the contract's in front of him. Like, I don't know if 2023 is the class you want to load up for. And if that's not the case, then yeah, take take back a contract that runs through 2024, 2025 even. like. And I think the other reason to do that is if you're taking back a long-term salary for Russell Westbrook, who, even though he wasn't a great fit with the Lakers, I think is still an above average player in the NBA. Like, you don't put up the numbers he does and not be like kind of good at basketball. Um, And so I, I think given all of that, I don't know if you'd need to give up draft compensation to take back long-term salary for Russell Westbrook, like in a Gordon Hayward for Russell Westbrook trade straight up. I don't know the Lakers need to give give back anything. And I think Gordon Hayward's a better player and a better fit next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis than Russell Westbrook is. So there are a lot of reasons. I, I don't think Russell Westbrook is going to be back on the team next season, but the conversation around Westbrook right now and the, and the reporting seems to be that the Lakers, at least partially in, in these interviews with, with their head of coaches are factoring Russell Westbrook into their plans, which isn't a bad idea. Because if there's anything I think the Lakers might value in a head coach after watching the Frank Vogel masterclass with Russell Westbrook last season is versatility or I guess willingness to let Russ do Russ, uh, which Russ obviously didn't feel like Frank Vogel let him do. Um, So I guess my question after saying that all of that is this. Does it matter who the head coach of the Lakers is if Russell Westbrook is still on the roster? Like, do you think just on your like base level knowledge of these head coaching candidates that there is a coach being considered that is a perfect, like the perfect guy to make Russ, LeBron and AD work? No, because I I don't think that that trio can work. Um, largely, I I was trying to be nice about this. Largely because Russ didn't want to make it work. Like yeah. Russ talked the talk about sacrificing and adapting, but like he never did it. <laughs> so like, um, he was just the same guy he's always been, and then complained when things weren't going right. And if that's the standard the Lakers are working with, it doesn't matter at all who the head coach is. He's not going to be able to fix that. So on that standpoint, no, I don't think it matters who the head coach is. 
um, because the best way to let Russ cook is to just give him the ball almost exclusively. And you're not doing that with LeBron and AD. Like he's going to be the third option on that team um, at best second option offensively, but still the third best player on that team. And so, yeah, I, I understand why that Shams and or Shams and uh, Sam Amick piece where they talked about, um, the Lakers are operating under the belief that he'll be back. That makes sense. That's how they should be approaching this situation right now. And they should be asking coaches how you would utilize Russ because it's not a foregone conclusion. He's gone. Like there's still a lot of work that has to be done on that front. So you don't want to head into a season where you just didn't even broach the topic with your, um, head coach that oh yeah uh how would you use Russ by the way like on two nights before spring or not spring training a uh, preseason so like uh yeah it makes sense that they would ask them about it I mean there's also the aspect of like maybe planting some seeds that like uh Charles Lee or Adrian Griffin go back to their team or like man it really sounded like the Lakers might keep Russ and um this off season and then somebody tells somebody that tells somebody and that's yeah. how you start to gain some type of leverage. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that that's really going to matter because I don't see them getting much leverage in this situation, but anything helps and the Lakers are trying their damnedest to make it look like they're really, really considering bringing rust back next season. But ultimately I just don't see it being feasible. Like, Russ sat there during his exit interview and just flamed everybody. Yeah. Uh, coach, players, front office. Like, I can't get that out of my head whenever I see these reports. So I understand why they're coming out in like certain aspects. It makes sense um, to ask a coach why, how he would use Russ just to get some base information. But no, I, I would almost assume like, John Wall him then bring him back and that feels like the absolute worst case scenario but um, I just don't see it as being tenable him coming back and if he doesn't come back then it's I don't know it's going to be interesting bet online had odds come out uh, for where he would go if not the Lakers the Pacers are the favorites at three to one odds the Knicks at seven to two which looking at what the Knicks could offer isn't great. I hope you really like Evan Fournier. <laughs> um, OKC at four to one is really interesting though. You presume you'd get back Derek favors and a whole lot of cap space, which um, would be interesting to work with. And then Houston at 11 to two, you would assume that's a John wall trade. Everything after that feels like the Pistons at six to one. I don't know what they would even send back. Kelly Olenek, um, the Kings at nine to one. I have absolutely no idea what that would look like. Everything after that, the Clippers are 10 to one. Same with the Hornets. Like some of these, I don't even understand at all. So I, I really have no idea where he's going to go, but I just can't envision it being with the Lakers. Yeah. I think if you, if you were going to make a case to bring, 
Russ back, or if if I was Russell Westbrook and I was making a case for the Lakers to run it back, I think my argument would be, and I think if you read through the lines of what Russ has said throughout the season, I think his argument is I tried to sacrifice. I tried to do all the things I said, Oh, I do, but we just LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook didn't play enough games for him to buy into that role. And then when AD went down, he felt like it was his responsibility to step up and be that player that could be like the alpha dog and the Russ of old. And I guess the Lakers and in, in, in his mind, the Lakers didn't let him do that, even though that's kind of what they traded him for. So, I mean, that is the only logic and it's not even particularly good logic. Um, that I can see the Lakers or Westbrook using looking at them to get another shot because here's what you have to understand you talked about lakers playing the leverage game and in, in these like conversations leaks what whatever you want to call it the lakers had no leverage at the trade deadline because russell westbrook was not an expiring contract at the time he was a really big salary and making trades making three to one four to one trades which is what It'll ultimately end up being if the Lakers want to take back role players on on inflated contracts. Those are really hard to do in season. That will not be the case this summer. The Lakers can trade Russell Westbrook into a team with cap space. You mentioned OKC, and I actually really like the idea of the Lakers uh, getting some type of financial flexibility back in a Russell Westbrook trade because I think that is you know, maybe a little more valuable than any of the players they've been rumored to get back in, in a Westbrook trade. So I, I like that idea. But the point is, if your starting point for these negotiations is, look, you hate your team. You guys are nowhere near contention. Like, you look at Indiana. Indiana has a fun young core, and they have some good role players. They are not going to compete in the Eastern Conference next season. And no team wants to pay the luxury tax for a team that's not going to win a championship or even, you know, maybe not even make the playoffs. So you, you go to a team like Indiana and you say, hey, take on Russell Westbrook now and you can have all the financial flexibility you want next summer. And I think knowing what we know about sports owners in general, uh, looking at you you know, the Atlanta Braves, the Boston Red Sox, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Make sure you throw the Lakers. (laughs) You, you know, knowing what we know about sports owners, that that is not an unlikely scenario. Like sports owners are cheap and want to get off of paying guys they don't think deserve the money they do. Now, Lakers fans might feel the same way. uh, The moment that the, you know, said players are, brought back in a Russell Westbrook trade, but that's just not where we're at yet. And and I think more than anything, Lakers fans just kind of want Russell Westbrook on a different team. So I think there is a deal out there. And whatever deal it is, just has to be better than, than Russ, man. Like, I was so excited for Russ. I bought into the hometown kid narrative. And I also didn't, I just didn't think he was that bad at towards the end of that 
Wizards, uh, the wizard season, like he essentially willed them into the playoff picture and took over games, was a lot of fun, looked like Russ. And that's just not who he was. And even if that is who he was, I'm not, I, I just not sure if that's the type of player LeBron and AD need. Like I look at, you know, Danny Green before he got injured in the playoffs and the way he was playing, the way Wesley Matthews was playing with the Bucks. Like I look at those guys and I say, man, I, I hope the Lakers chase guys like that. It's, it's not a Russell Westbrook, uh, unfortunately. So sign me up for New York, Nick Russell Westbrook though, whether it's in a buyout or, uh, I mean, I, I hope it's a, it would be a buyout from another team. And then Russ plays on him. Cause that is a team I look at maybe not from like a, a roster construction standpoint. Cause can you imagine Westbrook, uh, RJ Barrett and Julius Randall as your shooting nucleus? Uh, good Lord. I mean, Russell Westbrook or sorry, Julius Randall of the, 2019-20 season maybe uh but certainly not Julius Randle from last season but um yeah I'm I I think there is probably a better fit for for Russell Westbrook elsewhere in the league and I think just having him on the roster or off the roster would be addition by subtraction for the Lakers are the Knicks the only team in the league that would trade for him <laughs> with the idea that they could actually play him uh I think so. Like as I would, as well, Kingsy I was, as the Kings are, yeah. they have. If there's one thing they have, it is promising guards. They don't need Russell Westbrook. I mean, I don't know if any team needs Russell Westbrook, but the Kings certainly <laughs> have enough talent to justify not having to trade for Russell Westbrook. I I was just gonna say the the Thunder maybe, but not with Shea there. I for some reason forgot that Shea was around. Um, I, looking at these other, like the Pacers would buy him out. The the Rockets aren't going to play him over Jalen Green. The Pistons aren't going to play him over Cade Cunningham. I don't even know why the Clippers are on this list. Um, the Hornets aren't going to play him. The Cavs aren't going to play him. The Celtics are on this list. I don't know why. The Raptors are on this list. I don't know why. Like none of none of these teams are going to play him. I'm fascinated to see what happens if the Lakers trade him. Yeah. Because I don't know, like his last season was so bad. Somebody will try, but like Russ did not express any kind of willingness to come off the bench or anything like that. So, I mean, that's going to be the biggest holdup is finding someone that like really needs a ball dominant starting point guard. That's way past his prime. And Shockingly, despite all those wonderful descriptors, that's hard to find. So <laughs> I'm not even really certain if the Lakers trade him where he goes. Like, at, maybe it is the Knicks, but I mean, theoretically, they would have Derrick Rose and or Kimba Walker, like uh, some combination of those guys if they don't trade Derrick Rose to the Lakers, which... The Lakers have tried to get Derrick Rose for many years, so that might happen. But, yeah, I don't know what happens to Russ next season. And it it's such an abrupt fall from grace because, like you were saying, like he was still decent in Washington. I was going to say good. I don't know. That 
he wasn't bad in Washington. Like in at in the second half of that season where the Wizards like went crazy with their uh winning run, he was like really good during that stretch and he really drug them into the playing game and into the playoffs, but that is such a specific way you have to play him that like it's hard to really rationalize that for somebody Russ's age and that you aren't just like building a team around. So um, none of that even going or like broaching the topic of trying to win with a point guard who can't shoot. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I really don't know right now where he ends up uh, either via trade and on opening night next season it's going to be wild to watch, but it's, yeah, this is, I don't think the Lakers are actually having any kind of second thoughts about trading him though, because I mean, as you, as you were kind of saying, the only argument you could make was that they just didn't have enough time together. And like, it wasn't like the time together they had was good. (laughs) Like it largely speaking, it wasn't successful even then. So admit you made a mistake cut bait and whatever the most beneficial way is that OKC trade would be really interesting because not only does it open some financial flexibility, it gives you the use of a couple different kind of exceptions to sign guys. And you presumably would get a pretty big trade exception to work with too. Um, That one's intriguing, maybe a little bit more for like long-term into the season. But so I don't know if the Lakers would be interested in that, but there are ways to try to trade him, but there isn't a way that's going to be like painless for the Lakers. They're going to have to take a hit somewhere, some way they're not going to get anything close to value for him. So, I mean, or not the value they gave up. Uh, Washington isn't trading back KCP Kuzma and, Trez. So I mean like and a first round pick. Do not forget and a first round pick that ended up uh Isaiah Isaiah Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. I did forget about that. Um that is a lot for us. I yeah, that's a whole lot. So you're not getting that value back. You're gonna have to take a hit. And as long as they're willing to do that, yeah, then I think there could be something. Would you attach either the 2027 or 2029 first round pick to get rid of them it would have it would have to be an upgrade like a uh how do i say this it would have to be somebody who put up like similar numbers as westbrook but was actually like impactful if that makes sense like would you would you do like uh, Russ in a pick for Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, I so I was gonna. I I wasn't sure if I was gonna bring this up to you because it's outrageous, but I think we have to talk about it a little bit. I'm ready. The uh, uh, Rob Palenka and Sean Marks met oh. at the NBA draft combine. <laughs> okay. And for some, not for some reason, I don't know why. It's because Lakers Twitter is, uh, you know, a hopeful place, a, a dark place, whatever you want to call it. It depends on the day you log on, really. All if the it, above. <laughs> if the Clippers get eliminated, it is the happiest place on earth. 
Um, but would just from a basketball standpoint, do you do you see any world where either team entertains a Westbrook for Kyrie swap? I I don't um for I I don't know why Brooklyn would do that. Like unless they're really just over Kyrie mm-hmm. and the nonsense around him. Uh you'd have to be pretty pretty over him and just trying to get rid of him to do that because like there's even in that case there is a long long sample size of Russ and KD playing together and it didn't it didn't end in the title then I don't know why and you, you throw Ben Simmons into the mix yeah that was the missing piece in OKC <laughs> a point guard who refuses to shoot um <laughs> So I, when I, I wrote about that and I was trying to think like, because that's obviously the first trade you think of, of like, Oh, Russ for Kyrie. Like, yeah. On the court, Kyrie is like loads better, like far, far, far and away better. You just have to put up with a lot, a lot of nonsense. Um but I was just trying to think of like other trades that they would like, maybe they're, they really think things are bad with Ben Simmons back. Do you trade Russ for Ben Simmons? I don't know why it, again, the Brooklyn would do that. Cause now you have two point guards, but like, I was just trying in my head to think like if there were other trades, they could have been discussing um, ultimately it was probably just two GMs having dinner together, but like, uh, that didn't stop me from trying to. I don't know. I don't know what other trade it would be because, like, both rosters are just really, really guard heavy. So, like, unless you're just swapping the guards on the roster, like, I, I don't know what other trade it would be. Yeah, it would have to be just like you said. Took the words out of my mouth about Ben Simmons back being just like a giant red flag for the Nets and them wanting just another big contract they can trade, uh, which you want to talk about a team without assets. Uh, the Nets are right up there with the Lakers because they went all in on uh, James Harden. I mean, maybe uh, it's they... some type of like three-way deal where it's Westbrook to Charlotte, Hayward and whatever to yeah. – Brooklyn and then Ben Simmons to the Lakers and Mason Plumlee back home to the Brooklyn Nets. Let's do it. I'm, and, I'm in. And I, I don't know why the, I mean, the, I guess the Lakers thinking is that like long-term, if they don't think his back is as bad, which nobody would have more information on Ben Simmons health than yeah, the Lakers with Rich Paul. So mm-hmm. like I would have some type of optimism in that, but, yeah, that's also not even like broaching any of like the on-court issues that Ben Simmons has had either, which we just saw them with a non-shooting point guard. So I don't really know how that would fit. But yeah, listen, I... man, listen, here's the thing. And Ben Simmons is actually the perfect example of the type of player I was talking about that I would give a first round pick in addition to Russell Westbrook for. 
like Ben Simmons throughout his career has put up number numbers similar to what Russell Westbrook contributed last season. The difference is Ben Simmons is like a like all defensive player. Yeah. And would be an upgrade over Russ Brook by a considerable margin in all ways but one. <laughs> that is, <laughs> if he does not shoot, um, I so would you, you counteract that by attaching Joe Harris to him. And now we're really cooking. <laughs> Relax there, bud. Um, I, it would be a really fascinating idea. I don't, I don't know when Ben Simmons is even expected to be back. That's such a scare. Like back injuries are like huge red flags for me in general. So, well, the Lakers um, have shown they're not scared of trading for players coming straight off of back surgery, and it always and then, goes well. <laughs> and then having them play before they're fully healed, and then oh. turning him into a villain and having him leave. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, outside of that, like I don't know what else. Bobby Marks and Rob Polinka. Um, or Sean Marks, excuse me, and Rob Polinka were uh, were discussing because those rosters are are both have a lot of the same flaws. In that, I mean, you look at Brooklyn's and there's like 700 guards and like two big men, and that more or less was the Lakers' issue last season was a whole bunch of guards, no wings, and one big man an AD that kept getting hurt and mm-hmm. Dwight who was super washed. So I don't know, maybe it's a Dwight for Blake Griffin trade. Oh God. <laughs> uh, I think that's a good point to end the show because I will uh, get angry if we continue. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week.